the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. You're listening to SoCal Live with Scott Furrow on 99.5 KKLA. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. Welcome to Southern California Live. I'm Scott Furrow, your host. And uh, just a little brief update. Dodgers are winning. Padres are losing. Angels are losing. But afternoon baseball, you know, we'll keep track of it here. If you're interested, you can stay right with us. You can join the conversation here on Southern California Live with me by calling 888-LA-TALKS. That's 888-528-2557. 888-528-2557. You can also send me an email at SoCalLive at KKLA.com. Let me ask you this question. Big news today. Lots of news on different subjects, and we'll hit a couple of those things, and we'll try to get you know underneath maybe how you're feeling about it. The uh, monkeypox uh, is a big deal. The, the administration has made it a national emergency as of today. What worries you? Are you worried about monkeypox? Are you worried about getting it? Are you worried about um, what might come of it? You know, I the WHO, the WHO, yes, the WHO, World Health Organization, not the old band, declared an emergency last month. Wouldn't it be great if it was the old band? And they're like, oh, it's an emergency. Uh, Health and Human Services Secretary Xavier Becerra declared an emergency today. And uh, I think I have audio for that. Let's see here. You, you see any of these? No, well, that's not it. I'll find it here. But uh, he declared an emergency uh, today and uh, also state of emergency in the United States uh, and in California. Governor Newsom has declared an emergency a couple of days ago, and uh, so have Los Angeles County, San Diego County, lots of different places. And uh, is it an emergency? You know, when I hear emergency, that sounds it sounds urgent to me, but it's not urgent, right? That's why there's a difference between going to the ER and going to urgent care. You know, it depends on what your injury is. You know, if uh, it's an emergency, you know, if you're if you're bleeding out, you cut off a finger or something, you got to go to the ER, emergency room. But, uh, you know, if you got a cough, if you got something kind of minor, even some significant things, you go to urgent care and um, there's just a difference. Anyway, how are you feeling about it? Does it worry you when you hear all this talk about monkeypox? Uh, are you concerned about different things? I've got some things that uh, I worry about. They really should wear the mask. I know. I'm worried that they're going to make us wear masks for the monkeypox. Uh, but uh, so far, we has escaped uh, that whole thing. I wanted to talk about it a little bit just so that we are aware. I, I think that's important that we stay as on top of it as possible. But also, I think that we need to make sure that we are as honest about it as as possible. The number is 888-528-2557 if you want to join the conversation, 888-528-2557. This is Southern California Live. The reason is I think we've had a, you know, we had such a bad experience with the coronavirus. And uh, this virus is better known, I think, than uh, the COVID was when uh, all of that came out. But there is a lot of similarities in the timing. Uh, Emergency declarations by all these global organizations and then United States uh, and then by uh, different people who are uh, running the different counties that we have. And 
you know, part of it is it's something that's very, very different. And I'll try to be as sensitive talking about it as possible. But monkeypox is primarily, currently, although it could change. That's one of the things they're worried about. But primarily transmitted through skin-to-skin contact uh, during sexual intimacy. And the highest risk, this is from CNBC, okay? So this, and this is what I'm talking about. There's like these hedges in there. Uh, Gay and bisexual men are the highest risk of infection right now, public health officials say. About 98% of patients, I think it's 99% globally, who um, are coming down with the monkeypox uh, fit that demographic. Health officials have repeatedly emphasized that anyone can catch monkeypox through physical contact with somebody who has uh, a rash and characterizes the disease or uh, contaminated materials such as towels and bedsheets. Um that is one of the things that is uh, said a lot. The CDC last month confirmed that the first two U.S. cases of children, one of them's right here in uh, Los Angeles area, likely through transmission within their families. That was a question that I had with that. Okay, some kid in Long Beach, I think, has it. Where did he get that? And um, apparently something's going on with uh, the family. So he's in the house, and it, it can be transmitted and this is something I think it's important to understand. It's not an STD technically, even though that's how sexually transmitted disease, even though technically it's a disease that's transmitted through sexual activity. We'll just call that a DTS. But it's not exactly the same. It has more to do with close contact with the wounds that monkeypox has or the, the bacteria that's there that you have to be pretty in, you know, uh, intimate with somebody to get. Or you need to be using the same towels or bed sheets or other stuff, which probably means you're fairly intimate with that person. Um, and the reason I bring this up is that there are polls out there that say that people are very afraid. Uh, Axios published a survey that said one out of five Americans are worried about getting monkeypox in the next three months. One out of five. Twenty percent. Twenty percent of you, according to this survey, are worried that you're going to get the monkeypox in the next three months. And that's why I wanted to ask, you know, do you have, what are your concerns about it? Are you feeling like this is another pandemic like the uh, COVID that's going to come and we're going to be locked in our house or we're going to be told, you know, uh, don't go out in public or don't touch things out in public? Um, nearly half, according to the survey, are unsure whether monkeypox is less contagious than COVID. So we're we're not very educated on this, are we? Um, about all of these, about 69% uh, only were able to say how it usually spreads through close contact with an infected person, probably in more detail than that. Two-thirds said they either don't think there's a vaccine for monkeypox or they aren't sure. There is a vaccine that's already existed for quite a while. This disease, it's uh, been in Africa for a while, and it's often transmitted between uh, animals, and there's been some humans get it, and probably some humans getting it because somebody decided to uh, be real friendly with a monkey, which is probably how it got its name. Um, and then it passes from human to human uh, that way. Uh, I'm sorry, that's just that's just the way, that's the world we live in. That's why there's some, some rules given down to us about different things in the scriptures. And uh, if we live that way, we do a lot better. Um, there's a lot of doses. A lot of different communities are asking for that dose. Women are more worried about it than men, this survey said, even though men are 98 to 99% of the cases. Are you worried about it? I think that it it matters. Um, One of the things I think that uh, is significant is we just don't want to fear. We don't want to have 
the kind of fear that we went into with the COVID, because I think that when that that fear is what generated maybe some decisions that we made that if we would have thought about it, we wouldn't have made. One of the things that this study said is that people have these fears because memories of false assurances and mixed messaging about the coronavirus in the early days of the pandemic are factoring into the public sentiment on monkeypox, uh, said the director of this survey. There is some suspicion that scientists, this is what the survey says, there is some suspicion that scientists don't know what they know, which translates to higher worry. I have that. I, I actually don't have that with scientists who are really trying to do the job. I have that with scientists who have a political motivation. There's a difference between trusting the science and trusting the scientist. And there's a whole lot in the language about trusting the science. Science can change. Science meaning that you, if you're really good at the science, you're always questioning things. You have a healthy cynicism about whatever your research is showing. You have a healthy cynicism about, okay, we've determined that this is transmitted this way, and uh, but we don't really want, you know, right now it's primarily transmitted. We believe it's transmitted by close intimate contact and, and most of the time through men with men. Then, you know, that's good. We want to know that and we want to really help people with those people uh, who are in that, in that area, right? We want them to know. We don't want to hide it. And I think that's part of the, the politics that's happening right now. The politics that happens is that because we don't want people to stigmatize, as the word's being used, um, gay men typically, we are in a way trying to not say that is the demographic that is most in danger of getting monkeypox. And it is a big deal. It's a big deal that it's spreading so fast among that community. It's a huge deal. And it does, if you've been around a long time, it it should remind you of of AIDS. It's different than AIDS, Uh, but it's very similar in um, the way we could respond. And we responded pretty poorly to AIDS, if you remember that also. We didn't understand it. And what I was saying about the science that's important is you want scientists to be skeptical of their own research, and you want them to come out and fix things. You initially, the science about AIDS was saying that you can get it from anywhere. You're going to get it from your dentist. You're going to get it from, I remember that. I remember going to the dentist during that as a kid, and that was part of the early science. Magic Johnson had to retire from the Lakers because of it. And people were afraid later when he joined the Olympic team that maybe if they bumped into him and everybody's sweaty that they might be passing it around. We know that's not the case today. So it's good that science keeps changing, but that's something that we should understand about science is we want science to continue questioning things. We do not want scientists to be motivated for political motivations, whether it be political correctness, whether it be about funding or whatever. And that is a lot of what is happening here. Uh, and it's very confusing because it's technically not an STD, but it is primarily being transmitted, transmitted that way. So what do we do about it? One of the things for us, and if you have uh, just joined us, you're listening to Southern California Live. I'm Scott Furrow, your host. You can join the conversation by calling 888-528-2557. One of my questions is, are you afraid of getting the monkeypox? It's a national emergency. It's a global emergency. It is a local emergency. It's an emergency. Uh, to me, if there's an emergency, I need to go do something, right? I need to, I need to figure it out. I need to figure out what are my next steps here. Well, one of the things I think that matters a lot is that we try to be truthful, truthful about it. Excuse me. And I know that we also want to be caring and communicate things. Well, there was a, an article written in the New York times today from a science journalist in Berlin 
which I always find that curious. Why do they need to go to Berlin or other countries to find a science journalist? And I do wonder if the reason for that is because it's too hard to find somebody who isn't politically motivated one way or the other in the United States. And occasionally the New York Times, as as leftist as it is, does try to do some journalism once in a while. So maybe they have to go find a science journalist in Berlin. So they found a guy. His name's Kai Cooperschmidt. And uh, he is a, a gay man, and he's writing about this. And what he's going to say is we need to be honest about how this is being transmitted and stop worrying about labeling people as homophobic at the expense of actually warning people about behaviors that might lead to getting the monkeypox. Now, the monkeypox has not killed anybody yet in our country or uh, I think in uh, Europe. I'm not sure if it really uh, is deadly even in uh, Africa where it's been around for a while, but it's very painful. I have watched some some people you know, on social media, some people who actually have taken a look, you know, who have it and have shared their story, and it's awful. You do not want it. It is painful. It is unsightly, to say the least, um, and it lasts a while. It may scar. It's rough. Uh, you don't want it. So this, this reporter, he says this. He says, I have grown increasingly frustrated with the global public health response to monkeypox and the communication around it. Uh, he says that those infected are overwhelmingly found among gay men in our sexual networks, uh, and including himself in that network. He says, friends of mine from all over the world have told me about their infections. They are in pain, and it's excruciating, and they are afraid, and they have a lot of questions. And what he's going to say here is that we need to just call it like it is and stop worrying about whether or not by saying it that we are being homophobic. We don't want to cause stigma. You know, we don't want to, to, you know, I don't know. We don't we don't want to just say, well, you deserve it. That's kind of what happened with the AIDS thing is lots of people, including church people. They said, well, you know, that kind of behavior you're getting what you're getting, uh, which is not a compassionate response. Um We don't want to do that, but at the same time, we want to be truthful. And the weird thing about the culture that we live in today is that we would rather obscure the truth rather than be called a hater of some kind, or in this case, a a homophobic. He writes, any successful response to an outbreak needs to be grounded in facts, and the facts are clear. Out of the cases recently reported to the WHO, data on sex is available for about three quarters of this. Of these, about 99% are male. What kinds of things do you know are, are 99%? Not too many things. I mean, when something's 99%, that's almost everybody. It means there's exceptions. And that says, and uh, of the data that is there that is available, 97.5% are men who have sex with men. So it's pretty clear that this is going on in that community. Public health officials in many places, he writes, seem so unsure of how to talk about it in a, in a way that is non-stigmatizing. They prefer only to speak in vague terms. Some, whether out of complacency, callousness, or homophobia, do just do not seem to see much urgency. Others avoid mentioning altogether that men who have sex with men are by far the most vulnerable at the moment. That's what I think is, is happening in our country. When I start reading what our state is putting out, there's usually a line in there that says that. But then there's a whole bunch of excuses that say everybody can get this. And it's true. Everybody can get it. Anybody can get it. If you do certain things or if you're around people who have been doing certain things and using their their towels and bed sheets and that kind of thing, that is true. But I think it leaves a false impression. And 
what this person is arguing, and I would agree, is that it's basically unloving to not just tell it like it is, to not just lay the facts out there. He writes about a two-page leaflet by the German health authorities to inform the public about monkeypox, and it does not make clear that the spread is happening in places like sex clubs, but it does, which is where they think this has exploded, right, in all kinds of these activities and festivals where people are doing a bunch of stuff we're not going to talk about. He says, but it does not mention the word gay or men who have sex with men one time, not once. In fact, the word men doesn't even appear at all. He said in Mexico, Brazil, and other countries, health officials have also been reluctant to emphasize the risk to men who are intimate with other men. Even within my own community, he means the gay community, some have argued that stating that the disease was mostly affecting men who have sex with men was homophobic. See, that is, it gets into something else that we've been talking about a lot on the show. It's the the idea of critical theory where we are so busy philosophically tearing apart how the culture works and even tearing apart um, men and women and gender in general. The interesting thing about the, the gender arguments that are going around is it also means that there's no homosexuals, really. It sort of undoes all of that. And it's very bizarre to go down a road where you're trying so hard to say that men and women, as the only two genders, is somehow wrong, and somehow just a Western Western construct is what this philosophy says, um, that when you have an outbreak like this disease, the reason you can't talk about it is because you have determined that it's not true, not based on science and not based on experience, but based on a philosophy that you are pursuing, based on a belief that you can change reality. That's what theory is, this kind of critical theory. And that's what's happening. So the reason that this might become another healthcare debacle or the the worst thing, the thing to be not scared but concerned about is that the disease will, will and then he writes this later in the article, that the disease will evolve into something that is more easily spread, actually. And the reason that that could happen is because we're not being honest about how you get it now in order to shut down the disease. See, avoiding being called homophobic is more important than actually helping gay people who might suffer from this. See, people are skewing the facts and making false claims so that they don't want, they're not called some kind of phobic. They don't want to be a hater. So I'd rather just not say what's real and uh, so I'm not called something. See, that's not loving. That's decidedly unloving. To withhold the truth from somebody, even if it's painful, even if that truth goes against your political point of view or your moral point of view, whatever it is, to withhold the truth is not loving. It's always a wicked thing. I'm Scott Furrow. This is Southern California Live. Thanks for listening. We're talking about monkeypox and the emergency declarations that are happening all over the world, including the United States, uh, that happened today. The number is 888-528-2557. How do we have an approach to to this? If this is going to become uh, the news that is loving and that is not one that drives everybody into fear. This author, who is a homosexual himself, he is a science journalist from Berlin, because apparently we can't find one in the United States. He says this, he writes, yes, monkeypox can infect anyone. This virus can spread in a variety of ways, but that is not what experts are seeing as the primary mode of spread for this outbreak. For now, the virus appears rather bad at uh, using less intimate routes of transmission. And so he's pointing out that the fear 
uh, that we are driving is unfounded. We really could just state what is happening out there. And see, when you, whenever you just shine a light on what is real, and this is what we want science to do, right? This is what we want our, our scientific community to not be influenced by politics. It bugs me when there's a lot of funding that goes into achieving a certain result. You know, how do we, how do we have, I mean, one of the things that we know is true is that uh, we are unsure about how many people who have died or were hospitalized due to the COVID died from COVID or just died with COVID. And there are people who argue both ways. There are some people out there who think more people died of COVID than we have records of because we weren't doing it right. Other people say no fewer people died of COVID really because they died of something else. They just happened to have COVID. And here's the reason for that. I, I tend to be on the latter of that. I think fewer people died of it than gets reported. And this is the reason that hospitals were paid for everybody, extra money from the government for everybody who had COVID. And wouldn't that be a temptation? Wouldn't that be an administrative pressure to put COVID down on that death certificate? even though they really died of some other disease, or maybe they were terminal of liver cancer, but they got the COVID and they died a week sooner because of that. We need to avoid that. And that's why funding and advocacy can turn things away from the truth. Are you afraid of uh, of getting it? One out of five, that's the survey. One out of five people are afraid of getting monkeypox. Right now, you should be afraid if you're participating in intimate activity that is affecting 99% of people who have it. It should concern you. Do not politicize yourself into a disease because you want to deny what is actually true for political purposes. And at the same time, you need to do what is correct. Don't. And if you're not doing those things, then you have nothing to be afraid of right now. The Bible always encourages us to be truthful. And that's what we need to do. And in that truth, we have a truth that Jesus is with us, that the peace that we have, the comfort we have, if you have fear about this disease or even still the COVID or or the result of elections or the result of whatever's going on, you got to ask yourself, where do you get your your peace from? Are you seeking it from something temporal, from the government, from science, from something else other than Christ, if you're a believer. Jesus says, peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. I do not give you as the world gives. See, what the world gives you is not um, very trustworthy for very long. I got to take a break. You're listening to Southern California Live. We're talking about the monkey pox. And uh, the number is 888-528-2557. If you want to join the conversation, I'm Scott Furrow, and I will be back as soon as the Thursday edition of SoCal Live continues. Stay tuned. This is SoCal Live with Scott Furrow on 99.5 KKLA. Welcome back, everybody. Southern California Live. Scott Furrow with you. On this Thursday edition, we're together every day from 3 to 5. It's always good to be with you. The number is 888-528-2557 if you want to join the conversation. 888-528-2557. Before the break, uh, we were talking about the monkeypox, and uh, I just want to complete that a little bit. If you want to join the conversation, you can join in. But the study that says one out of five people are afraid of getting it, uh, don't be afraid. You know, and if you are afraid of that, we have so much fear. You know, one of the things that is uh, significant about what's happening in our, our country right now 
And there's different theories about it. Some people think it's deliberate, right, by um, by government officials who just want you to be in fear so they can control you. Some people say that. Uh, I think that could be, but I also think it could be that we're just we've become a fearful society, and that some of the government officials are genuinely afraid, and they want everybody to be afraid. Uh, we need to not do that. Uh, Governor DeSantis in Florida. What's interesting is we have declaration of uh, of emergency here in California from Governor Newsom, and in Florida though they're refusing to do that, and fear is the reason. This is what Governor DeSantis had to say. You know, we are not doing fear. They're going to do facts, and we are not going to go out and try to rile people up and try to act like people can't live their lives uh, as they've been normally doing. You know, because of something. You see some of these states declaring states of emergency. They're going to abuse those emergency powers to restrict your freedom. I guarantee you that's what will happen. We saw it so much with COVID. See, that is, I think, one of the things that uh, people should be watching out for and being careful about. Well, you know, what I think is, is very dangerous about what's happened with COVID is that we may not trust the governing officials the next time around, and maybe they're going to be right the next time around. You know, what happens if there's some kind of sickness that is easily transmitted, that is deadly, that we really should lock down about, and the government says, wear a mask six feet apart, do this and that, and we're going to say no. And we're going to say no because we lost we lost trust last time. In, in part, sometimes it's because I think we don't understand that science does change, that initially when you're listening to people with coronavirus and that conversation, they didn't really know what to do. And over time, the science changed, the therapeutics are and methods are developed, uh, lots of different things happen. But we also know that sometimes people said things that weren't true. Dr. Fauci himself said that initially when he said that masks don't do anything, he said that the reason he said that is he wanted to make sure there were enough masks available for people who work in the hospitals. Um, so he lied to the public because he was afraid there would not be enough uh, equipment for people working in the hospitals, and he wanted to make sure they had enough. The problem is is that people don't know which one is a lie. Was the first one a lie like you're saying, and now you're telling the truth by saying that you lied, or were you telling the truth then about masks, and now you're lying? See, you know, he, Dr. Fauci is, you know, been around a long time. It is time to find different voices. That's another thing I think that needs to happen that the same voices can't be around telling us how to deal with monkeypox or anything else that's coming around because people aren't going to trust them, even if what they're saying is true. It's just an important thing. Don't be afraid, but be wise. One of the reasons we don't need to be afraid is because we have Christ. Jesus, I was reading before the break, John fourteen twenty seven. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. You know, I think that whenever we quote this verse, you know, we're, it's very special. Peace I leave with you, peace I give you. Sometimes we just cut it off there. Uh, and then we like the last part, do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. That's important too. But he says, I do not give to you as the world gives. And I think that is a place where we really need to understand how does the world give? The world gives with false assurances. The world gives with the best data that they have, which is what we want from scientists and uh, people who work. We want the best data that they have, but we also have to acknowledge that sometimes it's wrong. We want, we want some cynicism with our scientists. We want them to 
openly say, this is what we believe now, but it can change later. See, and the, the assurances that the world gives is there is an inability to predict the future. And that's what this New York Times article is saying, is that right now this disease is almost entirely um, men who are having sex with men or people who are around them and get it from their tiles or bedsheets. Um, but that can change. This, you know, the disease might change. We want to have assurances that if it's changing, that we believe that if it's true, um, so that we can take precautions. Jesus gives us something else. He gives us his presence. That, you know, and this passage is part of the promise to send the Holy Spirit. Uh, presence and wisdom. That's what we need right now. Right now, this is a behavioral disease. You don't have to worry about getting it if you're not doing certain behaviors and you're not sharing intimate, uh, you know, uh, fabrics with somebody who is. You're not going to get it. Not going to happen. Um, that matters. Does the Bible have anything to say about our behavior? Yes, it does. And that's a part sometimes we don't like very much. Oh, God's just taking away the fun or the freedom. But see, it's not about that morally. It's about successfully navigating a dangerous life in this fallen world. The peace that we have with Christ is, first of all, we have a direction. We have the Word of God to light our path. We know what steps to take. We get grace when we mess up, and we do. And there's an eternity promise to those who believe. See, this is where the peace is. If you're afraid of the monkeypox or maybe even the COVID or anything else that you should, maybe you're afraid of uh, the Chinese right now because uh, they're, uh, you know, playing ring around the rosy with Taiwan and shooting off some missiles and flexing their muscle because of uh, an 82-year-old's visit to uh, Taiwan. Um, I mean, I know she happens to be the Speaker of the House, and it's a big deal. It's, you know, it's a big deal that she did that. Um, and, you know, maybe that scares you. Well, the peace the world gives is the best you got is what are we going to get from the governing officials? You know, are they going to tell us it's okay? And are they right? You know, I don't know. I don't know if they're if uh, they're right, and there's reason to to always think it could go in a bad direction. But with Christ, it's not. It's permanent. It's the peace we have in knowing that we have the presence of God, and we have a permanence because He is God. If you're struggling with fear for these things, trust God, and trust His Word to be true with how you behave and how you treat people. You're listening to Southern California Live. The number is 888-528-2557, 888-528-2557. David from Culver City, welcome to Southern California Live. How you doing, David? You know, I'm doing well. Um, thanks for uh, letting me talk. Yeah. Um, you know, I think you've totally misinterpreted Dr. Fauci. Dr. Fauci's a scientist. Mm-hmm. Dr. Fauci initially thought that masks would be more beneficial to help personnel than to the general public. He revised his opinion. He never said he lied about it. So lie is a very strong word, and I think I, I, I think that's inappropriate. Secondly, I think the reason public health officials are being cautious about monkeypox is because it is spreading rapidly, and we don't know what's going to happen. So maybe you should be cautious. Maybe you shouldn't. I don't think that's fear. I mean, we don't want to wait till it gets out of control to then do things. I mean, public health officials are responsible for the general population. You know, there's, a, there's civic responsibility. COVID killed 1% of people 60 and over in our population. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's a, it's a major problem. So I don't think because public officials have, laughed, have, uh, have changed their opinion and revised their opinion, 
doesn't mean this was a government control conspiracy. I mean, they're assigned the role of protecting the public's health. Do you think that people David, do you think that people agree with that, though? I mean, that's kind of where I'm going. So let's say let's defend Dr. Fauci in every step. And you're correct that, you know, scientists, you know, revise what they have to say. That's and that's something that we should expect and be happy about. That's what I was getting at with the idea that, um, you know, we should we should want our scientists to be cynical about their own research and keep researching. But do you think that people agree or are people at a place where they don't trust public health officials today, right or wrong? Unfortunately, it's like a lot of things. It's become politicized. Mm -hmm. This has become like the 1950s and the McCarthy era. People are either with you or against you, and they interpret everything through a certain lens of government. Some people uh, interpret everything through a lens of the government's trying to control you. I don't believe that. I think the government is doing the best they can to protect the public's health. You know, and Dr. Fauci, if you look at his history, actually has been very open minded. Initially, he had a very different view of AIDS and he totally changed the AIDS activists and listening to them. Mm -hmm. So Dr. Fauci is an admirable public employee. And I'm so tired of listening to him be demonized. The guy's 80 years old. He has better things to do, but he's a dedicated (laughs) public servant. Well, I think, David, I appreciate your call and uh, your input, as always, is good to hear from you. You know, my argument with Dr. Fauci is that because the trust is lost, he should retire. And he should retire with, you know, you've been in this role for a long time. Uh, and, you know, he, he didn't ask to be demonized. You know, I, I have meant the story, told the story before that I'll bet that he never thought when he was 79 years old that when he's 80 or 81 that half the country is going to hate him or that anybody would even know his name. Um, but see, that's part of credibility. And, uh, you know, a lot of people think that he has changed what he said a lot of the time. And I think some of it, you know, as human beings, we, we get, we say things that maybe we don't exactly mean, or we don't know how to say when we aren't used to speaking in public. So for example, recently there's been a lot about Dr. Fauci and whether or not he encouraged President Trump to do the shutdown or not. And one version says he said he did and another version says he didn't you know is he just trying to find his footing there i think that a shame that happened in all of this is that we put too much authority in one person's in in the case of one person who's not a public official why did we put dr fauci in a position where he has so much authority over this why didn't we bring in economists therapists people who work with kids people who understand why didn't we try to find the best approach and that's something that we really have to do going forward with this monkeypox thing. It's fine to be, you know, cautious, but it's not fine to obscure what's happening. If this turns out that it really is only going to be a disease that is spread among people who do certain activities, a very clear demographic, then we need to say that. And we need to not freak everyone else out about it. See, that's that is truth. I think we are struggling with that and I think it's spiritual because whenever our behavior is challenged, by facts, by reality, um, it makes us have to go back to what the scriptures say and go, maybe God was right. Maybe when the scriptures and all throughout history, when sexual immorality, which by the way, does not uh, exclude one version of it or another, it's all the same pile. And that's important for everybody to remember, lest we think those people over there are bigger sinners than us over here. uh, That doesn't work that way. 
We have to be truthful. And when we are not, uh, when we're not very good at leading through these crises, uh, it puts everybody actually in, I think, greater jeopardy. I got to take a break. You're listening to Southern California Live. The number is 888-528-2557. If you want to join the conversation, 888-528-2557. I'm Scott Furrow. I'll be back as the Thursday edition of Southern California Live continues. You're listening to SoCal Live with Scott Furrow on 99.5 KKLA. Welcome back, everybody. Southern California Live. Scott Furrow, your host. The number is 888-528-2557 if you want to join the conversation. We've been talking about monkeypox and fear and uh, even science. And, uh, you know, I think that in some ways we need leadership who can speak to what science really is. You know, the, the phrase, you know, do you believe in science or do you not believe in science? Or we're going to follow the science. Um, all of those things are are misleading. And what tends to happen, and that's what we're seeing now, is um, when you're following the science and you like what the science has to say, it's a lot easier to follow the science, right? But if the science is not confirming your point of view, then what we see is people stop following the science. And people tend to do that on, on each side. And then you have to ask, are we even talking about science? Does it even make sense to to say you follow the science or not follow the science or believe in science? And, you know, as soon as science becomes a religion, uh, you have a lot of problem because science can, you know, the, the purpose of it is you change. The purpose of it is to be, you know, in a healthy way, cynical of your research if you're a scientist and you want to follow the data, you want to follow the experiments, you want other people to check your work, uh, peer review process. There's a lot of things that makes science work and sometimes the science is right on. We learn a lot from it and sometimes it gets changed later wasn't too long ago that we didn't know what germs were, that we actually thought that if I was working on somebody who had an open injury, an open wound, that it would be better for me not to wash my hands because maybe some of the dirt on my hands would actually um, start the healing or help the healing process instead of cause infection. See, science helped us understand that that was wrong. Uh, It used to be that the purpose of the brain was to cool the blood, Uh, which we know now is wrong. It makes me wonder, 100 years from now, 200 years from now, what kinds of things do we believe now that we feel pretty certain about? It's another phrase I don't like is settled science. Uh, There's not really settled science. There's things that are very certain for sure. But I don't know that there's anything settled. I think there's always something more to learn. And in some cases, the more we learn, the more we find out we don't even know what we're talking about. And that's good science when that happens. It's okay for scientists to change their mind. Um, But it's not okay, I think, for the scientific community to be so wrapped up in the politics. 888-528-2557 is the number. Laura in Ventura County, welcome to Southern California Live. Hello there. Hi, Laura. Hi. Hello there. Hey, I just wanted to, first of all, I was um, your first caller regarding the monkeypox and Fauci, um, my perception when I hear him is he's very ignorant. I don't understand why people don't look further into Fauci's and his motivation to put fear in people, because that's what he did, Um, just like Hitler did. You know, our words mean something. Well, I think some and, of the problem with Dr. Fauci is that he's put in a position of authority where really he doesn't have that knowledge. You know, he might have – I think that a guy like him who is into infectious disease 
um, is scared to death of the possibility of things like an Ebola-type virus that doesn't kill you before you leave the village, that instead is dormant in you for two weeks while you fly around the world. He's afraid of that, and that motivates him, but it's not real life. You know, it, it, you can't just shut down you know, the economy because of a fear, and that's where he should not have Correct. been in that position to even have that kind mm, of a I agree. power, I think. Yeah. I agree. And just like in, you know, biblical times, we did not um, quarantine the healthy people. You quarantine the sick. And I re- you mentioned something about the masks. I've heard from many doctors who said to, who actually told me, wearing a mask isn't going to help you. It's actually do more damage. It's like throwing sand through a chain link fence. It's not going to prevent any, anything from coming, you know, you yeah, know, infecting you as far as a virus or something like that. I think I that mean, there's totally wrong. Yeah. All right. Thank you, Laura. I appreciate your call and uh, for listening. You know, there's so much, there's a lot of different things that people say about the masks, right? And that becomes part of the problem. Uh, there's a guy who's on uh, YouTube and he's like in the, uh, in uh, Upper Michigan, right, in the Upper Peninsula, the UP, I think you call it if you're from there. And uh, he would go outside wearing a mask and just breathing, and you see his breath just coming out of it from all different sides, right? And that was, to me, that was pretty powerful. Now, I'm not a scientist, right? I don't uh, know the research, but I'm looking at that going, well, that doesn't look like you're keeping uh, the, uh, the, you're probably reducing some of the droplets in that uh, mask for sure. Uh, And then they came out and said, you need to wear two masks, Remember that? Two masks. And uh, they came out wearing two masks and the same thing happened. And he did it in all kinds of different masks. You know, we live in a time where let's just say that his this guy's uh, presentation is completely misleading. It sure looked convincing, I think, though, to a lot of people. And, you know, we need a path from our our scientific leaders that doesn't just come from one guy, that doesn't come from a non-elected county official who has the authority to close schools or close businesses or close churches or close or make everybody wear masks or do all of this when people don't trust it. I think that's some of the problem. See, and the, and the danger is that what if they're right and nobody believes them? And I think we're on that precipice right now. I think that we are on a precipice as a culture of, you know, we, we're already having trouble with all of our institutions One we should not be doubting is the CDC, but we do. And even the CDC has published internal documents now where a lot of the science who are there are frustrated with the politics because they feel like they can't really honestly address these issues uh, for fear that their conclusions or their study on whatever it is might not point in the direction that is politically appreciated. That's bad. This is where, though, our hope always returns to Christ. Right. Is that the world, you know, our hope isn't in in the scientists. We live in a we live in a remarkable time, you know, where we're living a long time because of science. You know, it wasn't. Uh, do you ever do your ancestry and you look back at old census uh, sheets and you can go back into the 1800s, I think even into the early 1900s. And there's a category on there. If you're looking at the old census reports in the United States, there's a category that doesn't exist anymore in modern ones. And the category is, how many kids do you have? How many? And the second question is, how many kids have survived? Because it was common that your kids aren't going to survive. You'd have 12 kids because maybe six of them are going to make it. And it was so common that they wanted to know 
when they did surveys of the culture, you know, how long, you know, how many kids did you have? How many of them made it? And it was a good deal if your kids made it. And you would expect them to die. Today, it's tragedy whenever we lose a child. It was a tragedy then. I don't mean to say that. But I mean, today, it's a lot more unexpected. And the reason is because science has made great advances, that we have incredible uh, understanding of the human body, of germs, of how we get sick, of viruses, all of that. It's great. And we want it to continue. And I think it glorifies God. I think it glorifies God that his creature, the human being, can understand more and more about the creation and even more and more about what the fall has has brought, right? And bring health and healing. That's good. But we pervert it when it becomes not a search for truth and accuracy, but a search for an agenda. And that's something that we can't do. That's why our hope can't even be in science, ultimately. You know, if your hope really is in science, and that's like your, you you probably don't say it's your God, but your hope is in science. What hope does science ultimately give humanity? Here's the hope of science. The hope of science is this. One day, the sun is going to explode and destroy the earth and everything in the solar system, and that'll be it, and you're just dust in the wind. That's it. There's no eternity. There's no meaning all there is is an eventual destruction of everything that we know. That's the hope of science. That's why we have Jesus Christ. I reject that hope. My hope is in Christ. My hope is that we were created for a purpose, that we are created for relationship, that we were given the opportunity to walk with the Lord. We chose to sin that broke our relationship, but the Lord who loves us sent his son that he promised to do right from the beginning, to live the perfect life we can't live, to redeem us, to bring us back into that relationship that is the ultimate permanent residency for all who accept that grace, for all who accept that Jesus died for them, that they need a savior, that they can't save themselves, that they're dead in their sin, all the verses that you want to quote about that, and that Jesus did that, and our hope is in Christ. So when the worst things happen, uh, you you don't lose your hope. When the disease comes, when the day comes when you go to the doctor for your regular physical and you feel fine, but they find something in you that shouldn't be there, uh, you don't lose hope. You just have a little a change of direction. But your hope, your path stays the same with Christ. So your hope is that you get everlasting life for, by faith, not by earning it, not because of where you were born or your education or what you believed or how you voted or whatever it is. Your hope is that Jesus Christ is who he said he was, that when he died, your sins, my sins were nailed to him. He became that sin. He paid the penalty for our sin, the ultimate wage of death. He's the only one who can pay it because he's the only perfect one. He came up out of the grave showing us that if you believe in him and you trust in him, then you're going to come up out of the grave and into everlasting life. See, that's our hope. Whenever we talk about these issues, it's important. It's important as a society that we get these issues right and that we're able to talk and even disagree about them here and there, but never attach your hope to it. Cause at the end of the day, our hope is always in Christ and what the plan is of God for all of civilization. We're going to come back. We're going to talk about Brittany Griner and justice in just a few moments as we shift gears for hour two of Southern California live. I'm Scott Furrow. We'll be back as the Thursday edition continues. Stay tuned. 
Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.